This is Self Startup. Hello, folks. Welcome to Self Startup, a podcast that highlights small business owners, the self employed, and freelancers who have taken the plunge to create their own desirable lifestyle. My name is Andy Dowling. I'm also the host of the Andy Social Podcast. I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord. And I'm the dispute resolution specialist. Yeah, I can't sit still. Sorry. You can search for me and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching at Andy Dowling. Or alternatively, you can go to selfstarter.com.au where you can find a number of different links and resources, not only for the podcast itself, but anything and everything that's related to the self-employment world. So make sure you go over there and check it out. Now, this episode is with Paul Trainer of Berry Mountain Cycles. This is really cool. A great conversation with Paul. We got speaking before we even started recording. Uh, I had to actually stop the conversation to start recording and we could have just kept going for hours. I tried to keep this as refined as possible, but we do cover so much great stuff here and I'll let Paul dig into a lot of it and explain it better than I can. But I will highlight a number of key points at the end of this episode itself as well. You can learn more about Berry Mountain Cycles by going to berrymountaincycles.com or you can go to facebook.com slash berrycycles or you can go to instagram.com slash berrymountaincycles. As always, selfstarter.com.au will have all the show notes, so I'll dump everything over there as well for you. But enough of me. Please enjoy this great conversation with Paul Trainer of Berry Mountain Cycles. Can you put a filter on my accent so people can understand? We'll put it, put it. The Aussie filter? It's like Snapchat or something like that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, spending a little bit of time to have a chat to me. Pleasure. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and your business to the listeners? Cool. Yeah, um, I'm Paul Trainer. Um, I own a business with my partner, Megan, and our mechanic, Will, in um, Berry, New South Wales, Australia. Obviously, I'm not Australian, but we'll go into that. Um, it's a bicycle retail business. It's yep. a bricks and mortar business um, with um, a digital online presence, which is mainly uh, Instagram, Facebook. So it's more about social connection rather than selling stuff, although there is that element to it, I suppose. Fantastic. Um, how long has the business been running for? We've just turned uh, eight years old. So yeah. just a couple of weeks back, we were eight years old. Happy um, yeah, it was great fun. And it's <laughs> changed a lot in eight years as well, which is really cool. It's constantly changing, evolving. So to go back eight plus years, what were you doing before this business became a reality? Oh, um, physically, Megan and I travelled for a long time. We, uh, Megan's Australian. We met in Canada in 1998 or 1999, early 1999. Uh, we were both, um, I'd been snowboarding, travelling to different areas, snowboarding for about four or five years. I'd been in Australia for a year and I was heading back. Mm. Um, really enjoyed Australia, but didn't think I'd be back. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was a nice place to go visit. And um, happened to bump into Megan, who's travelling with her friend, and, and they'd left home for a year or two. And we ended up um, um, connecting and started travelling together for... We'd, we were travelling for about eight or nine years before wow. we came back to Oz. And our intention was always to go back and do the winter seasons again. My heart was in the mountains. I loved mm. the snow. Um, I dragged Megan along, although she did. She claims to have enjoyed it. <laughs> claims. Um, 
and then we came back for a, a friend's wedding here in Australia. They're based in Sydney. And um, we, we, we got back. Our intention was to come over, work, save some more money, and then head off back mm. to the snow again. As it happened, we ended up getting um, jobs in at the Scots College in Kangaroo Valley, their outdoor right. campus. Yep. We had a friend working there, and we ended up jumping on their trainee program, which at, I think I was 30 one at the time or 30 years old mm. so I was, I was the oldest trainer they've ever had as was Megan <laughs> but we, we'd always worked in the outdoors in terms of like through leisure mm. so it was a good opportunity to cement our skills and what was great about it is we worked with some incredible staff who are still really good friends but they were just different thinkers um, very motivated in terms of getting the best out of people the, the, the children we work with um, so it sort of sent me on a different path of like okay the outdoor ed, outdoor ed is great fun our own enjoyment in the, in the outdoors is fantastic but you can work and get a lot out of people mm. if you commit a bit so we end up doing that and uh, we end up working for a company in uh, up in park called um, um you know, southbound adventures forgot it yep. second. sorry ian robinson he was our <laughs> boss he's and he was a great dude as well but he he i started seeing how he'd been an entrepreneur and thought okay this is doable. He'd started it from scratch, had a great business, he's incredibly successful, and he was motivated. I thought, all right, this is this is doable. Mm. Working for him, I started mountain bike racing, and I started meeting a lot of people within the industry. Yep. Then I started naturally selling product for stores and, and through Southbound, and I thought, okay, what are, we, what are we earning ourselves? What's our growth mm. and potential? And maybe we could give it a shot. We didn't have a mortgage, we didn't have children. So I thought, maybe we can you know, have a go at doing something ourselves. And we just happened to pass the store that we were, uh, we were living in the area near Berry. I passed the store that we're in now, it was for lease. I looked inside, I did a few mental calculations of what it would cost to set up. I went to um, Commonwealth Bank with a business plan. And bearing in mind, this was in the GFC. Mm. So, yeah, um, right. but the interesting thing in the GFC was that no, not one bike company had closed down. So wow. I looked at that information. Went, this is a growing trend we yep. could be involved in potentially, um, and uh, Commonwealth uh, gave us a, a loan. Of, it, we started the business with fifty thousand dollars, and uh, like we turn over a million dollars now, which sounds like a lot. But when you look at the cost of what yeah, of uh, running our business, it's not a lot mm. really. It's um, it's it's a small business by a lot of standards. With the um, with the business plan itself, and I know a lot of friends of mine that. Um, when they hear hear that term business plan and having to put a proposal to a bank to to, to get some financing, um, that just scares them scares them out of actually following through with it. What would um, I mean? How complex was the business plan, or what what was it that you had to give them without I mean going into incredible depth? But um, it was complicated enough to put ninety nine point nine percent of people off doing it. Yeah, okay. which is the point of doing it. Absolutely, you know, put yeah. a barrier in place, and I can see that. And I was yeah. chatting to our a uh, business lender at the time of why they do that. It's great. Mm. Put something in place that challenges you to think about the worst case scenario, yeah. and that was cool. I remember doing it clearly, and I, I had confidence after doing it to think, is this thing viable? Because I've seen what the potential worst case could be: mm. debt repayment, um, uh, no turnover, no income. But again, the good thing was at the time, which I think is a challenge for people in Australia, is wages are high in Oz. Yep. So for you to turn over enough income, enough turnover to create an income which pays the same as the company you may work for, mm. that's pretty hard. It's yeah. actually pretty pretty difficult. So um, at the time, we weren't earning huge amounts of money. We didn't have kids. We didn't have a mortgage. Mm. We were free. So I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. Let's give it a go. And it must be, um, I mean, looking at it probably in hindsight now, 
it's a great tool to just strip the emotion out of it because oh, you oh, yeah. you look at it from a you know you have this idea and you get intoxicated by that idea it's all you ever think about and you think about the that dream aspect of what it would potentially be and all the the happiness around it and what my life for what our lives would look like mm. but then to be forced to have to go into this very structured way of approaching it and looking at the worst case scenario as well for a lot of people that turn them off because it's like, oh, well, this is no fun. This is actually not that exciting after all. Mm. And so, as you said... Wait till I, they deal with the ATO. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> so, for a lot of people, it, it would turn them off. And, and, that's, and I guess that's part of the process is that you, if it was... I mean, if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it. Yep. But I guess it comes down to also what type of business you want to create and... Mm whether you need funding or not. And I guess yeah. in the end, if you want a decent amount of money from somebody, you've got to convince them that what you're going to do is worth them investing in it's fair, your concept. It's a fair trade. Yeah. It's a fair trade. Um, yeah, it was... It was it, I didn't find it particularly daunting. Mm. I, I looked at it. I used the ComBank um, um, business predictor. Yep. And you just put the figures in there. And it, mm. I, I thought it was great. I've still got the book at home that I went through the numbers to look at. Mm. And obviously, a lot of the time, you're trying to predict stuff that yeah. you have no information about. Mm. It was a business that was started from scratch. Yeah. We didn't have a trade in history. We've never been in, in business before. But the good thing about it, it was like any good experiment. You've got to put some constants in. So you just got to come up with an idea and go, right, this is what I'm going to decide to do. Mm. The other good thing about that is actually start, you start painting a picture of what could be possible. So if I, if I sold one bike a week, it would mean this. If I sold two, it would mean this. Okay, what if we sold 10 or 15? Or what if we sold one which was worth a lot more? I mm. don't know. But you start coming up with those uh, um, uh, concepts, and that was good. The, the best thing that happened, though, was we got a great accountant after about a year, and our, our accountant was incredible at helping me realise that um, the business isn't just about being creative, it's about being um, conservative, but also thinking about the processes and how you're going to deal with things. I am very lucky because I am creative, and I, I've, I've got lots of energy for things, but my partner's diligent. Mm -hmm. I'm diligent with with the uh, the technical side of the business, she's diligent with the the following up and making sure people uh, there's good communication with people, mm. the, the, including our suppliers and also the you know tax departments, yep. accountants, all the people that would scare the living daylights out of me. So I'm very <laughs> lucky in that regard. I yep. would imagine it's very difficult for someone to do if if, you, if you're starting a business by yourself, you're yeah. creative and you haven't got that. Yep. Just get someone on board who is good at it, who wants to work with you on that. What was I mean? I mean, that, that, I mean, you said you weren't terribly daunted by it, but it was obviously a process that was a bit of a, a reality check to really understand what you're about to dive into. Yeah. Um, was there any sort of fears that you had before it all sort of started to happen? Was there anything that you sort of not so much a hesitation, but you're like, oh, geez, like I'm really worried about whether it be perception or whether it be you know when's that first sale going to come through or mm. whether you know long-term customers or anything like was there anything that sort of sat in the front of your mind yeah i think fear fear of uh, making a fool of yourself is always a good one but yeah. you know there's so many sound bites that would tell you that you know you put one foot in front of the other but the reality is you've just got to jump in you like i think about it and and but at the end of that, it doesn't matter the good thing i would say about australia is brilliant mm. is that it's what what we experienced is as soon as we opened the door, lots of people came in and went, good on you. 
Yeah. Never, never met them before. Local mm. people, people from further afield. A few people said, I had one British chap who's a, 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 I know him quite well. He said, oh, I don't know whether this will work. It was like standard British response. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you say that, but luckily I'm not living in the UK. This is a, um, um, Australia, and it was just like, have a go, good on yeah. you. And I felt that's, that to me is, uh, is a fundamental part of ours. And I thought, well, if people are that supportive, you, you, you've got to have a go. That's funny because, I mean, you know, it is, it is a very typical Australian thing. It's a term that gets thrown around so much, but I think a lot of people just forget it. I think yeah, we don't. We, we panic <laughs> and we just, yeah, we, we don't give it a go because we're mm. so worried about crashing and burning or, you know, expectations like, you know, have this grand idea and you tell your friends and your family about it and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And then you do it and then it fails and you're waiting for the, the I told you so or you probably should have done it this way instead. Uh-huh. And so a lot of people just don't take that first step. They don't give it a go. Mm. But it is, such a, it is such a stereotypical Aussie thing that's been thrown around for, for years. Yeah, definitely. So, we should hold on to it. Yeah, absolutely. We need to be more Australian. And maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that outside perspective is is what's needed because yeah. you've been able to see it a lot clearer, uh, maybe than a lot of us that have just always had it around us and don't really don't mm. really see it, don't appreciate it. The good thing about being English, because my accent obviously is quite strong, is that um, I'm, I'm constantly reminded by British people about how I shouldn't even own a business. The amount of, it's amazing. The <laughs> amount of people who've walked in the shop are like, "I oh, can I chat to the owner?" I'm like, oh, "I'm the owner," and they're English. And I'm like, um, you own a business, <laughs> which still blows me away. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's hilarious. But in ours, it's like, yeah, good on you, well done. So it's a good thing, and I think we need to embrace it more. That's great. So uh, opening the business, opening day in, in the first few weeks, um, was there any sort of immediate things that were unexpected or, or, or challenges that you had when, when you first opened the doors, or were you, yeah. were, you were you quite lucky, or what was... I had no security on the door on the windows or doors for the first week, oh, right. so <laughs> I came up with a cunning plan that, um, of uh, sleeping in the shop, with, with <laughs> because there was, we had a lot of stock in the shop, it was yeah. expensive, yep. uh, and um, we had no security, I was waiting for the security to be installed, so I just decided to sleep in the middle of the floor of the shop with a hammer next to me, so if anybody decided to break <laughs> In. I was like, well, and then I came up with the idea after day three that maybe I didn't need to be here. I could just make it look like someone was in the sleeping bag. So I'd stay for the first couple of hours, then stuff the sleeping bag full with stuff. Look, you could look through the windows and see that someone was potentially in there, and there was a big hammer line next to the blow up <laughs> mattress there. It was hilarious. <laughs> the police even came by, uh, by and noted uh, mid, mid, I think it was the, mid the first week, Paul did the local policeman and said, I've noticed you've been sleeping, that's a good idea. I was like, yeah, you didn't yeah. know. I wasn't there though, did you? I'd, I'd, I'd gone home to bed. So that was one of the first couple of things. Like, but I think um, just because we travelled for so long and we didn't have any of those constants that often people like store people from giving things a go, I mean, we were able to roll with things and we still are. We, like if we, you get curveballs every day, mm. you know, you get that first almighty bill that mm. you. I, I remember our first bill for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, one bill, and we were like. Woohoo! Yep, that's a bigger. <laughs> but then you sit there and go, well, rationalise it. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge amount of money. We we don't earn that type of money, yep. so we had to pay that, and mm. that was for one month. <sighs> yeah, you're like, wow. Okay, right. Um, but we rolled with it, and we'd heard some local. There was a local business lady called Elizabeth. She she came in after a couple of weeks. She said, have you had your first oh shit moment yet? 
And she, I was like, what does that mean? She's like, well, when you get that first big bill, like, yeah. not yet. And then when we got it, I just started laughing. It was like, yep, there's the first that shit <laughs> moment. And we, we get, you get those all the time. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, what we learned though, pretty early in, the, early on in the piece was if we can have good communication with our suppliers and our customers, you can work almost everything out, like whether that be a bank or mm. you know maybe a payment's going to be late. Maybe you just don't have that much money in the bank at the time to pay. Call people, talk to them. Their bike's not ready on time. Call them, talk to them. It's probably going back to that worst case scenario. If you're sort of already thinking, not so much thinking ahead, but you're always looking at each thing and going, well, what's the worst possible outcome here? Yep. And then you work your way back from it. And a lot of the time, the worst case scenario never actually happens. Yeah. It might still be an inconvenient or crippling moment or whatnot. But if, you're, if your expectations are at the far end, then anything that's not that is going to be much more manageable than, yep. than that. And if you've even got a game plan for that worst case scenario, then I mean, that no doubt would have some weight off the shoulders knowing yep. that no matter what, we can, we can get through it. I, th- I think luckily for me tonight, which was really cool, is we spent a summer in the Lake District in weather like today, which mm. is bucketing it down with rain. Yeah. We lived in a tent for, for five months in the, in the wettest um, part of England, in the wettest summer in, I think, recent years. Well, and, we and that's, that's pretty extreme for, for, for was, Britain as it well. It was pretty wet. We had a fantastic <laughs> time. So for, for us... I mean, it's changed. We've been in business eight years. Our, yeah. our life um, uh, financially has improved. Mm. We, li- we've, we live a more stable lifestyle now. But for us, it's always like, well, what was the worst? We lived in a tent. We'll be happy. We're very happy. Yeah. So if yeah. we go back to a tent, oh, well, it's, it's not too bad. We live hey, in a great, great. country. Yeah, a, bit of, well. a bit of adversity goes a long way. Absolutely. absolutely definitely. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, so digital, the digital realm with businesses, and, and this is something I highlight quite a bit in this podcast, um, where there's this divide or can be a divide with some businesses as to whether um, they should dabble in the digital realm versus you know, the bricks and mortar shop and whatnot, so yeah. the old traditional versus the new. Mm. Um, you do have a website, and I'm actually quite impressed with the website, especially in the, in, the, <laughs> in the regional area as well, doing, looking around to see what businesses uh, are, are up and running. Many people don't have a website, or they got a website that was updated seven, eight years ago, um, or you know don't have any social media pages or anything of the such. And you, you alluded to before that you got some social media accounts as well. But, yeah. Um, how important has that digital aspect of the business been? Great. Um, for us, digit, uh, the digital side of things was about community. Yeah. It, yeah, it drives sales, but the main thing really is about keeping our community close mm. because. Um, I suppose the, the internet does offer, it offers choice, it offers price, mm. it doesn't necessarily offer community, especially when you talk about bike riding. Very yep. few people ride bikes by themselves. Mm. There's a joy of riding them yep. with, uh, with somebody else, mm. whoever that may be. So what we uh, hope to offer is that feeling of um, join us, you're welcome, as opposed to the feeling of um, we're elitist, you, you're not welcome until mm. you know X or Y. Mm. And, and that's not what we're about at mm. all. Like, join us, like, come and come have a laugh with us. Um, uh, so that, that's, that's it. We do, have a, we do have a prerequisite, join us, but support us. Yeah. So we're pretty clear on that too, which mm. I think is important. Um, uh, so, you know, there's a cost of running a business cost is just support us mm. in whatever mm. way you feel appropriate support yeah. us so that's really cool but it's it's been good the digital uh, side of things i think has been really good we jumped on instagram pretty early on in the piece yeah. and um we used to take photos with people and still do actually mm. uh, which i've been posting recently yeah. 
Um, people, every time they get their bike, we take a photo of them outside the shop. Great. Um, the company we deal with, they're, they're a big global company. They're great, great bunch of people. They showed that to lots of their other retailers. Now, if you look on almost every single one of the retailers, they're doing mm. exactly the same thing. Now, go. I'm not saying we started it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure we did. We started it being a, doing a consistent thing. But the cool thing about that was every photo is someone stoked. Like, mm. they've just got their new toy, their new plaything, and they're going out to ride it. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a pretty cool experience, whether they be two and a half or 55 or something. Tom last year was 84 and he picked up his, his last bike, so he told me. <laughs> He's getting another one soon. It's, oh, there you go. He's back. But He's back. It's, um, it's incredible, like, I mean, because I think a lot of people sort of miss the concept of of the benefits of being sort of present on on the net and in social media and whatnot and thinking that it's a hard sell. It's it's to sell products online and sell services online and, and drive traffic that way. And, I mean, for you, you're very much an experienced-based business where mm. you're providing services that are tangible. Yep. It's a tangible experience that is the ultimate thing that you're selling. Um, so your digital aspect, as you said, is building a community that mm. will build trust and you're reputable and your people that know um, about what you provide, mm. knowledgeable. So people will then come to you not only for questions and advice, but then ultimately come to you to pay for services and, yep. and product. Um, so it's almost like this warm, yep. warm call yep. of, of just gently getting people to be, become familiar with what or who you are and what you do. And then ultimately that eventually leads into sales and loyalty and whatnot. For sure. But um, I think a lot of people still struggle to understand the difference between that and the benefits of actually just going out there and highlighting what you do and highlighting what you love and what your service is without actually having a direct link to purchase something or telling people that you should be buying this or there's a discount or there's a sale or whatever mm. it might be. I, I think that it's about being, be genuine. I mean, yep. look at the internet right now. Like you're being flogged stuff all the time and it's, yep. it's almost a, a crescendo at the moment. Instagram mm. has gone crazy with it. Yep. Like every second post. I know, I hate this. Yeah, yeah same. sponsored posts. So yeah. I, I put them all as spam. Make yeah. an effort. If you don't like it, just tell them it's spam or you find it offensive. Like yeah. who was it recently? Australian Bureau of Statistics today, I got a sponsored post on my Instagram feed of, a, of an animation of a dude with a little beard, no helmet, riding a bike in, in Melbourne. And it was about him being a hipster because people in Fitzroy in, in Melbourne, 13% uh, of them ride to work. So the Australian Bureau of Statistics calls them hipsters. I'm like, what relevance is that to me? And like, so all the comments below, which is great about social media, is like, why are you spending your budget, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, on a pointless animation calling somebody names effectively yeah. and instead of highlighting going, good on you guys, ride to work, save some money, get fit and healthy. That's it. Yeah, and um, it, I just find things like that help, interesting. But that's when, when you, a business like that gets involved in something that really is in the domain of people who just... Instagram was creative at first. It still mm. is. Mm. Um, it's been adopted by a lot of big businesses with big budgets now. Mm. But it, you look at the people who do it well, they're yep. still the individuals. They're still the ones who are kind of getting off their back and staying one step in front of people. Yep. And I, that's what I like. When you see someone like, well, that's fresh. Mm. So whether that be humour or just someone being genuine which is what we try and do yep. we put a post up the other day of a nice bike going hey come check this bike out take for a test ride then give me your money 
Yeah. And everybody's just like, hell yeah, yeah all right cool. then. But at least, at least we're being genuine. Um, and it's, we're just trying to have a laugh. Yeah. You know, and, and enjoy it. And sometimes poke a little bit of fun back at the people who've got big budgets in. But I mean, it's, t- it's a free tool. Yep. How cool is that? And yeah. there's probably another free tool out there which I suppose is, is directed at someone's target audience. Yeah. yeah, you know, another tool out there. If, if you, someone's got an idea, they can they can probably find something that's directed to those people. The main thing I think is being genuine, though, because you can you can smell it a mile away when someone's mm. got like a. Have we got an agenda? Yeah, we we've got a business, mm. but our agenda is not to just sell bikes. If if that was the case, we would have a much bigger store in a bigger city, mm. turning over huge amounts of money and not riding bikes. And that was one of my. Um, one of my goals, actually, when I first went to my first retailer event, mm. I noticed how how there was quite a few retailers, great people, but they were overweight, red-faced, and they're not what I imagined. And they're fantastic people. Mm. But I thought to myself, wow, is that the cost of doing business? Mm. If so, for oh, I don't like this. Yeah. So it's always been a case of stay fit and healthy because, like, you are what you are this person so be be a, a shining example mm. i'm not as fit as i used to be because i do run a business so yeah. i used to be a lot fitter <laughs> that's not important like i'm having a great time um just came back from europe with with 22 of our customers on a trip and every single one of those people of all different shapes and sizes rode between 1500 and 1200 kilometers and climbed more vertical than they do in the tour de france yeah somewhere wow. in the 50s and 60s You're incredible like, that's rad that's pretty cool. And we were on a holiday. That's, That's pretty, pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty Have you got enough stuff for Instagram of that trip alone? Or things oh, like that? Wow. Like, well, we had, uh, luckily, one of our... Uh, one of the one of our customers is a professional photographer, oh. so he's um, he's a local like, wedding photographer. He's incredible. He's done all of our glossy stuff from the shop, and he's really cool. He can also ride a bike really well, which always helps. So <laughs> they can go and have some fun. So um, he came along um, as part of the trip and just documented it all. And he's going to produce a gorgeous uh, coffee table book for us. Oh right, yeah. And we, we we've all taken photos. We've shared all of our group photos on Google Drive. So we're going to start compiling the best of them. That's great to sort of share those those memories. But while we were away, we were posting every day we were just posting and we shared a hashtag that that might be consistent more so not necessarily that other people can see it, but more that the people who were on the trip could scan through the photos quite quickly and find that's stuff that's not really have to good. find all the different accounts they can just hit, hit a hashtag exactly. and then find it straight away yeah. um you mentioned about uh sort of you know different intentions behind the business and um, you know, you could you could be up in Sydney and have a larger store and have a higher turnover and make more money, but you've made the decision for various reasons to be here. Um, one thing that I hear quite a lot, and me living in Sydney for for how many years, ten odd years, is um, people wouldn't or believe that there's no point starting a business anywhere outside the metro area. Um, obviously, you've had success and mm. you've got a successful business and it continues to to do well. Um, what's the, I guess, what's the message to for people to start a business? Because people tend to think that, oh, if you go into a regional area, that um, the opportunities are going to be less and it's going to be far more challenging. All right, man. That's a big question. Um, it was a long-winded one as well. Oh, it's a good one. Um, <laughs> well, I suppose business is vast, isn't it? Like, it, it's, it, there's so many elements to it. Um, there's so many different types of things that you want to do. Far out, I don't know. I don't think uh, geography is so important anymore, but obviously for certain things it is. Yep. You know, if yep. you've got a, I don't know, I'm 
trying to think of an example. If you run a financial institution that's related to the stock exchange, yeah. you probably need to be close to the stock exchange. Yeah, true. Yeah. But if you're in an area like this or you're passionate about it and you can create a business. We've, we've got a, a friend locally. He, he um, um, They're called Strong Build. Mm. And I recommend go chat to, if you get, get yeah. some time with the guy or the guys, uh, Chris and Jamie. They're, um, they, when we first moved to this area, I noticed there was always these beautifully done um, houses locally didn't know who did them but mm. they were just beautiful gorgeous beautifully finished and not ostentatious but beautifully finished and mm. we always had this gorgeous placard outside that said it was built and it was really nicely made out of timber end up meeting Jamie happens mm. to ride bikes Chris does as well but not so often and um, these guys started a small um, business here in Berry, mm. and now they're big they're mm. a big company and but they've still got the same ideas like the quality of service, quality of finishings. You think far out, so they could start a building business in Berry, make beautiful homes. Now they they've got offices in Sydney, mm. making homes in Sydney, and also uh, environmental friendly, um, timber framed, effectively skyscrapers. It's mm. nuts. You think wow. So was geography a, a limitation for those guys? No, no, definitely not. They're just good idea, hard work. I think. Um I mean, obviously, you know, having having an internet connection and whatnot obviously helps as well because you've got that digital marketing aspect to to draw attention to to what you do. But I mean, in the end, even even in this area and and Shoalhaven in general, there's I don't know what the population is, but there's quite quite a few people. Mm-hmm. And we're a little bit more spread out than a condensed metro area. Yep. But ultimately, we everyone wants the same basic things to begin with, and. And then on top of that, lifestyle choices and whatnot. There's there's demand here, and there's there's demand for certain things. So there's always opportunities mm-hmm. for business. And I just um, I think there's just a there's a mentality where, and I think it's just been drilled into a lot of us for for years now that opportunities are always in the big smoke. And so um, you know, I grew up in a number of country towns in Queensland, and a lot of people that were my age, once they got to sort of you know, the end of high school were moving to Brisbane or they're mm. moving to more larger regional centres because in their mind and what they've been told is that there's nothing here, there's nothing in this town for me. And and that might have been true, you know, 20-odd years ago, but now it's it's not so much. Mm. So, But oh, yeah. it, also, but it also depends on what you want in your lifestyle as well. And there might be certain things that a metro area might... Areas like this, they're just, they're just stunning. The Shoalhaven is so, uh, like... Mark my words, it's going off. Mm. If you look at the the area and look at what's here, we're seeing these beautiful little boutique businesses open up and being successful. Obviously, I'm looking at a lot of bricks and mortar stuff, but yep. there's also web-based businesses yeah. that, are, that are around the area, and they're doing really well, and they have lovely lifestyles in quiet towns. Mm. Like, you know, it's quiet yeah. and other bypasses through, fantastic. Um, uh, and they're doing really well. And um, I think it's... First and foremost, surely it's about your life. Like if you if you want a busy existence and you love the city, mm. go for gold yeah. and yeah. make some of yourself. Mm. But if you want a quieter existence where you want um, whatever it be that this country or you know whatever life offers you, mm. this is the place. Make it happen here. Um, I think it, I, I just love the area and I think it's got so much potential. Our outdoors down here is our jewel, which mm. we're not. It's. Uh, don't get me started on it because it's. Uh, <laughs> I just think the area has so much potential, yeah. and it's. It, we're still. We're still look destination New South Wales. They're, they're really good, mm. um, but we're still focusing heavily, heavily on the Sydney and the Harbour Bridge. But if you look at the terrain, and Megan and I have travelled quite a lot, mm. and we've done some pretty cool outdoorsy stuff. Yep. This place is amazing. Mm. It's just hard to get to, yeah. and um, 
if we can if we can get people more introduced to um, the beautiful outdoors that we have around here, especially Berry, some great walking, the, the bike ride around here is fantastic. We've got beautiful waterways. We're lucky also enough to have a real quick connection to city, yeah. uh, to the city, and we've got great food and, and restaurants and some great pubs and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's, and, it's and, awesome. But when you go down down further south, you've got Milton and um, in between Nara. It's yep. fantastic. It's a beautiful part of the world. It's absolutely yep. gorgeous. And um, I guess going back to what you're doing online with Instagram as, an, as a specific example is building awareness of where you are, where you're yep. situated. So it's, it's, it's that community aspect. It's building, building loyalty for um, what you do in your business, but it's also just driving attention to this part of the world. And mm. a lot of people would probably never, you know, I'm just thinking of people in Sydney, um, they might go as far as Wollongong, as yep. far as the South, then yep. go, well, I'm, I'm way out of Sydney now. Um, but the more that people understand how quick it is and the roads are opening up and it's better infrastructure and then just understanding that, wow, this is actually at my doorstep yeah. in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things and it will drive more people down here. And as a result, as a, as a long-term thing, it builds better businesses. It, there's more attention. People are getting more, more clientele because there's more traffic coming down here in a good way Definitely. Um, because there's more attention. But um, uh, a quick tangent off to the side, um, and you mentioned it in passing, I was going to ask you, um, the bypass that opened up a few months ago. Yep. Um, I've been really curious because uh, living living where I do, and I've um, you know, been well and truly used to driving through barriers my uh, as my commute, things. yeah, and uh, <laughs> through the through the bottleneck, oh, and then yeah. seeing uh, seeing it on the horizon that this was going to open up. Uh, has the bypass been? An overall positive thing, or has there been challenges with the, the traffic going around around the around the town? Uh, well, I suppose we we don't we don't. Uh, the, the question would probably be better directed to you because you travel in it. From our perspective, we, we live uh, pretty much uh, within walking distance mm. of the store. In busy periods, we're generally working, mm. and at weekends, we, we used to work Saturday and Sunday. Now we're just working Saturday, and um, we, we wouldn't be in that traffic flow. Mm. So. Um, I don't know really what it what it what it's done for the for the for the drivers coming through. The vibe for the town though. The first mm. the first night the bypass went through, people were playing cricket in the main street. <laughs> really? That's sick. They had a brazier on awesome. top of a ute and they had a beer and they were playing street cricket and you're like, that's rad, because they, <laughs> and it was that quiet that you could instantly feel the the um, the pressure sensor in town drop about a hundred notches. It was gorgeous. Like people walking around, we're seeing kids riding to and from school. Mm. We're seeing people walk, like elderly people, being able to walk across the roads without yeah. feeling getting run over. Yeah, and yeah. and you notice that the the people driving through town of they're all driving at forty k an hour, not fifty. Mm. And when it was bottleneck, they were driving through at sixty seventy. Yeah, yeah. And their speed limit is fifty. Mm. And you can you can understand they were stressed out. It wasn't mm. pleasant. Now it's a pleasant place to be. As as a resident, I suppose, mm. as a business owner, it's been great. Yeah. The Fulton Hogan guys have been absolutely brilliant. Like you wouldn't even know they've just knocked a huge construction uh, mm. project through. It's just been brilliant. Very very sensitive to everybody's needs. There has been a little bit of um, pushback from some of the community, the the businesses in the community towards yeah. the. Um, however, I would say that we this was open to discussion five, six, seven years ago. I was at meetings that long ago mm. when RMS were talking about when they approved the process. We've got a great um, local chamber of commerce who has got some good people on it, and they were trying to open up that, you know, dialogue early on. Well, what do you plan to do? Um, 
And some people have really been proactive in that, other mm. people haven't so much. And I would imagine some of those would be the ones who would complain a little bit about yeah. it. You could understand it's fear mm. of, of losing. But the great thing is it's new opportunity because there's actually people in town now who are more relaxed, want to stay a little bit longer. They're, they're, they're pr their stress levels have dropped hugely. That's a that's win-win. But yeah. the, at the end of the day, like, I saw that documentary, it was actually a podcast, about um, what they did in Times Square in New York where they took um, spray paint out and some really basic street furniture. They closed it off to cars and they marked the street with paint to say, no cars allowed, walking only pedestrians. The fears were real estate prices would drop, mm. businesses would fail. The realities were real estate prices have gone through the roof and businesses have done better. Yeah. And, and what the, the, uh, the lady who, I think she, I don't know if she was the mayor or plan, um, planning director of New York, she, she concluded at the end of the podcast that people drive business, mm. cars don't drive business, not no. in a town like this. Give people, she, she had some great, um, uh, she was talking through some video slides and she was saying one slide was from the early 1900s where there was people everywhere in Times Square. Mm. And then you went 30 years, People crammed onto the sidewalks and there was cars everywhere. So I said, why don't we give the roads back to the people and bypass the traffic and all of a sudden everybody's doing better. You yeah. think, wow. So it comes down to, at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about, you know, in, enjoying life, not necessarily sitting in a car. And, and I think Barry's going to prove that. My, my vision would be, if it was affordable, is one-way traffic through Barry. Like more parking but literally push the sidewalks out so they are wider and there's mm, more places for mm. the cafes and everybody to actually spend more time Absolutely. and yeah. as long as the businesses have got place to get deliveries and and the elderly have got places to pull up mm. happy days yeah you know yeah. i think um one thing i've noticed is you know if we were in the past ever wanting to stop somewhere in bury you were you were looking 100 metres up the road because yeah. you're, you're making sure that there was a gap in traffic or there was somewhere to park and you had to think quickly and whatnot. Um, but even when you pulled over and you, you did find a park is that you were, you were watching the clock because you just felt like you're in a, in a, in a rush. Yep. So you were there to do one thing. You couldn't just sit and chill for the afternoon. You're just thinking, I've got to keep moving, even if you didn't really need to. But um, coming in here now, it's, you know, I think I would assume that a lot of people that are coming here, they're coming here with an intention so in the past it was mm. like you know and i think there's probably a fear from businesses that you would lose that spontaneous oh cool oh we might just pull over for a moment and have a, a cup of coffee or a beer or whatever it might be or a donut yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> but now it's it's a case where people are coming or taking the exit with an intention of actually stopping yep. and so i don't know i i just i I mean, I'm, I'm not a business owner in, in this area, so it's, it's difficult for me to say, but from, a, I guess, a consumer point of view, um, I can come in here and, and I've got an intention, I've got a plan, and, it's, and I can relax a lot more and probably mm. I'd probably end up spending more money because I'm staying longer. Probably. Instead yeah. of just quickly grabbing something and watching the clock and, and trying to get back on the road before the traffic gets too crazy. The, the great thing about the bypass was that we, had, we, had, we, had, we were forewarned Mm. So how many times in business do you get five years of warning? Like you yeah. don't get those opportunities. So it was a really cool, uh, I suppose, an example of what you can do with a little bit of time. There yeah. were some businesses in town you could see they were doing different things. Mm. The donut shop was uh, fans a great example. Mm. Like they they've done huge amounts of work to uh, make their business a little bit more beautiful. They brought it up to date. It's mm. really cool. Like yeah. it's an icon. Yeah, it's an it is. absolute yeah. icon. And you, and you think and they've got their own. Uh, they've got their own Instagram page, things like that. 
they sell donuts. They're good donuts by all accounts. Yeah. Um, but they sell donuts, and you like that's pretty cool. And it shows that you can do that if you if you're proactive and have a good crack at something. We reference the donut shop if people come into town and they've not visited us. There you Where go. are you? Yeah. Just after the donut shop. Oh, no, the donut shop. Yeah. Done. <laughs> you know. So it's um, it shows you what a lot, a lot an icon was, and they sell donuts, which I suppose then talks to, um, you know. That's old saying. There's, there's an old English saying: "There's money for old rope." You can sell yeah, old yeah. rope and make, you know, money. Yeah. I'm not saying that they sell old rope. But I'm saying, look, it's interesting. They sell donuts. They're not Dunkin' Donuts. They're fresh donuts. Yeah. Like it. And yeah. You're like, cool. So you can you can do something pretty interesting, and you can create an Instagram page around it. That's it. And create a following. A little bit of creativity goes a long way. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's fun. It's well, really fun. thank you very much. Well, thank I you, think mate. we've um, best of luck with everything. We're we're pretty good with the. Uh, with the, the conversation, I think we could talk for the rest of the afternoon. But um, I'm before known we... for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, before we wrap it up, what's the best way for people to discover your business? We've got a website, yeah. uh, uh, berrymountaincycles.com, um, or Instagram or Facebook, probably the best way. It, it depends what they're looking for. If yeah. they're looking for some um, you know, visual pleasure, yeah. Instagram's great because we always put nice, shiny pictures of what we're up to or product. Yeah. If they're looking for a bit more of a story, like our history, mm. the, a bit more, like, uh, I suppose, reading, go mm. to the website because we do post bits and bobs up there. Yeah. And Facebook for sort of like, that, that generally streams a little bit of both into it. So whatever floats your boat, go find us. I like it. I like it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Thanks, folks. If you want to reach out to Paul and learn more about Berry Mountain Cycles, you can do so by going to berrymountaincycles.com or you can go to facebook.com slash berrycycles or instagram.com slash berrymountaincycles. As always, you can go to the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au where I'll dump everything we covered into the show notes over there and no doubt a bunch of other content that's come off the back of this great conversation with Paul. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I got a bunch of stuff out of this. Um, I'm going to highlight five or six key points, but if I don't cover something and you learn something really valuable for yourself out of this particular episode, I'd love to hear from you. Please make contact. Um, I really want to get your perspective and your insight as to what you're learning and what you're finding valuable from the self Starter podcast. So the first point that I found was the business plan. Yeah. If you're going to borrow a significant amount of money from a financial institution, you need to prove to them that you are financially viable for them. So it's not an easy process and it's meant to be hard for a reason, as Paul stated. So while yes, it's an overwhelming and can be a complicated process, it's not impossible, but it forces you to be disciplined early, to give yourself clarity of exactly what you're doing and ensure that you're stripping the emotion away from your business. So it's a very important thing if you want significant funding from either an investor or from a financial institution. The second point was really embracing the digital aspect, building a community around social media. Uh, the Instagram stuff, make sure you check out his Instagram account. There's lots of great community-based stuff in there. Um, and there's a real sort of push to not just do the hard sell. Uh, you'll, you'll find that in the, the weeks and months ahead of the podcast, but social media is not about hard selling people. It's about building community. It's about building awareness and educating, providing value to people. And as a result, you sell things. So that's a great thing that, uh, that Paul's been doing. Um, off the back of that, the third point was him making the decision to take photos 
of people who buy their bikes. It's like a car dealership who sells a brand new car to somebody and puts the cover over it and unveils the car and makes this big thing and provides flowers and champagne with the new car delivery. The same sort of concept taking a photo of that moment where somebody takes ownership of that bike. It's a, it's not a cheap thing. And to really highlight and celebrate that moment where somebody is getting something fantastic and then putting it on social media and showing everybody else, not only are you going to get that person who bought the bike to share it and tell everyone else about it, but you're building this story and these great feelings around your brand and showing people the, the emotion the emotional part of your business, which is really, really cool. Um, the fourth thing is having a game plan for your worst case scenario. Back to the business plan. Part of that business plan is forcing you to think of what will happen in your worst possible case scenario. And I think it's really important to do this regardless of whether you're putting a business plan together for a lender or not. You need to think about what is going to happen when all hell breaks loose. And if you can think of things to put in place when that happens, man, that's going to take pressure off you. And I think that's a very valuable thing for people to do. So instead of waiting for something bad to happen and then freaking out, throwing the towel in and just giving up and walking away from it, if you're already prepared for those things, you're going to be so much more better set for the unlikeliness of those worst case scenarios coming into play at a later date. The fifth thing is building a community of like-minded people around their passion. They have writing days. They, they get community groups together. They, they go overseas with their clients who are their friends as well. They build this community of people that share the same passion and the same interest. Um, and I think that's a fantastic way to get loyalty and get people that continue to come back to them for not only to purchase bikes, but for servicing and for education and to use them as a resource. It's just an amazing thing. Now, the other thing is that the environmental changes. So sometimes there's external factors that change the impact of the business, but most of the time there's visible signs early in the piece to give you warnings. So in the location of where Berry Mountain Cycles is, being Berry in the Shoalhaven region, Berry recently underwent a significant infrastructure change where there was a bypass that went around the town. So before beforehand, all traffic flowed through the middle of town, but now the traffic has significantly reduced and there are a number of businesses in the area that have felt the impact. But what Paul highlighted, which was really interesting, is that the, the town's known about it for, for quite a number of years. And so really there's been opportunity to build and work around it and think ahead and strategize to work out the best way of making the most out of this external circumstance that they have no control over. And as a result, Berry Mountain Cycles have not been significantly impacted at this stage. And there are a number of other businesses that are thriving because they've been able to adjust to the changes instead of waiting for, once again, that worst case scenario to occur and then trying to work out what the hell to do after that. So really, really cool. Great things. That's only a few of many great uh, takeaways that I got from this particular episode with Paul. As always, go to selfstarter.com.au, check out the show notes, reach out to Paul, let him know what you thought. And I'd love to hear from you guys. And thank you, as always, for supporting Self Starter. And until two weeks time, when the next episode is out, thank you. Thank you.